0: You are listening to episode number 12 of the Secondary Science Simplified Podcast. It's that time of year. The weather starts changing, the days start getting longer, and your students start becoming absolutely star crazy Some call it spring fever. I call it senioritis. And regardless of if you teach seniors or not, this condition does not discriminate based on student age. So for this month, I have a three-part series of episodes coming your way all about combating senioritis or spring fever, if you will, in your students with specific suggestions for how to keep them engaged until the end of the year, despite the weather changing and the countdowns to summer break starting on your whiteboards. In this episode, I'm sharing two simple strategies you can implement to shift the mood in your classroom drastically right away. So let's dive in. Let's get to today's episode. I'm not sure what it's like where you live, but where I am, the days are starting to warm up and we are counting down until daylight savings time gives us longer feeling days again. And with this shift to springtime weather comes senioritis every single year. Like I mentioned at the start of this episode, senioritis is not a condition that only affects your oldest students. Although seniors do seem to be the most affected. If you've ever taught seniors, once they receive those college acceptance letters, it's borderline game over. And does anyone else feel like acceptance letters are getting sent sooner and sooner every year or is that just me? But I digress. If I'm also being perfectly honest with you, senioritis hits me as well every year. I'm just as antsy as they are for spring break and eventually summer break and warmer days not spent inside the four walls of my classroom. I actually love the afternoons too in the spring where I could stay after a little to grade or lesson plan and open my window, which opened up to the soccer and baseball fields and hear the games and practices happening. It just makes me so excited for summer. To me, those are the sounds of summer. So if we ourselves as teachers are struggling with all of this, how are we to best be combating this in our students? In my experience, the worst thing you can do is to ignore it and keep pressing on as you always have and not acknowledge what is happening. This was my strategy my first few years teaching, and it was especially the case because I was teaching a lot of sections of a course that had end-of-course exams, and I had to prep my students for those, but this was not a good strategy. Instead, I think we need to acknowledge the elephant in the room, acknowledge the energy amongst your students, and how the mood has shifted, and make simple changes to make the end of the year better for both you and them. And so in the next three episodes, I will share exactly how to do that. So first, in this episode, I have two tips for you. And the first one is the simplest of all. Get your students outside. It really is that simple. It is amazing what a little fresh air and vitamin D can do for your students and your mood. I purposely plan my course sequences to try to leave units at the end of the year that lend themselves to getting outside. I'll talk more about this in episode 14, but this is one reason why I love teaching micro to macro in biology and saving ecology for the end of the year. But you don't need to design an elaborate outdoor ecological investigation to get your students outside. Really, all you need is to invest in a class set of clipboards, and you will get back your return year after year on these. I'll link some of my favorite in the show notes, but you can truly use any kind. And then use those clipboards and take whatever it is you would normally be doing in your classroom outside. Even if your students are just doing practice problems on the bleachers, the change in scenery will do wonders for both you and them. And best of all, you don't really need to plan much in advance for this as long as you already have the clipboards. So if you're teaching and you read the room and you're like, my students are so distracted, or they're overly chatty, or the opposite end, they're disturbingly lethargic, and you look outside and it's above 50 degrees and it's not raining, then drop what you're doing and get those students outside. The change of scenery is an absolute game changer for turning around the mood of the class. Never underestimate its power. This is something I even constantly have to remind myself now as I'm home full time with two and almost three by the time this episode airs, tiny humans, is like when the mood is just dropping, the thing we need to do is change the scenery. Like bundle up those kids or bundle up your students if it's cold and get them outside. It makes all of the difference. I also 10 out of 10 recommend doing this on Fridays, especially with your students I feel like this tip increases in effectiveness 10 times over when it's implemented before a weekend hits. And you can even make it a fun Friday tradition. Like on Fridays, we always go outside for 15 or 20 minutes of class or whatever that may be. It's super simple, but super effective. My second tip for combating senioritis that I really want to share with you in this episode is to change up how you're doing your lectures. Like I said before, the worst thing you can do when you're combating senioritis or spring fever is just to continue doing the same old, same old. Your students' energy and focus have entirely changed, and thus we need to change ours in order to keep them engaged. And one of the big ways I found I could do this somewhat easily is by just changing up how I was lecturing. Lecture can be the hardest instructional method to keep kids engaged with when they have spring fever. So my first recommendation is just to try to decrease your lecture time as much as you can. I would say that if there was a Mayo Clinic page about senioritis as a condition, it would say that elongated lectures make senioritis flare up, so to speak. And so one of the ways that I love to decrease lecture time is by using something called discovery stations. It's something I created for my anatomy class to do exactly that, to decrease my lecture time. So essentially discovery stations are just guided inquiry activities where students work independently to move around the classroom and discover the different components of a body system on their own. So with each set of discovery stations that I've made, students get introduced to each key structure in a body system by doing three things. They're reading a discovery station, they're labeling something that I call a big body diagram of the system, which is basically just a really large fold out diagram that they can color code and label and really see the structures really well in. And then the third thing they're doing is they're answering corresponding reading comprehension questions. And again, I first designed these just to decrease lecture time and increase student autonomy in my anatomy class. And the goal was that at the completion of a set of discovery stations, my students would not only have a thorough overview of the key structures in the body system, but they would also have this completely labeled big body diagram of the system that they could refer to when they were studying. So... You can use them a couple different ways if you want to make your own, but essentially you can use them as like a guided inquiry activity to introduce a body system. You can use them to replace lecturing on the parts of a body system. And then you can also use them to practice reading comprehension and increase student autonomy in your classroom. Oftentimes when starting a new body system in my anatomy class, I will try to engage students with a relevant phenomenon or a disease that may interest them that's related to that system. And then from there, I like to send them straight out to do discovery stations to start discovering the key structures in the system for themselves. And it's really been such a hit for me and my students. They love the ability to work at their own paces and read about each structure in less than a page of information rather than reading chapters upon chapters and potentially an outdated textbook if your textbook collection looks anything like mine did. And this is really just a super simple way to change up lecture too when they are over the school year, which is thanks to senioritis and something we especially experience, I feel like, in elective courses like anatomy that you have a lot of upperclassmen taking. My students also really love the freedom to color and label their big body diagrams to half a reference as much or as little as they want, and then to continue to learn about each body system. Let's be real. I don't care how old your students are. I swear 85% of all students still just love to color. And then additionally, I also like to include fun facts in the stations to kind of pique their interest, And my students really enjoy those little nuggets of information snuck in there as well. And this leads to great follow-up conversations too that keeps them engaged even further. I like to go over them really quickly and really simply afterward by just going through those corresponding reading comprehension questions I told you about. And these have also been great practice for my students for many of the standardized tests that they take in the spring, whether that's EOCs, AP exams, ACTs, whatever. And again, I love them too because I love using them to introduce structures of a system to my students in a way that gets them out of their seats. And again, it's decreasing the lecture time of me being up front. I found this so much more engaging and effective for my students than reading and labeling figures from a textbook or listening to me talk to them about them. And they're still getting all of the information and knowledge they need about these really important structures. And best of all, they can work at their own pace. I think that's such a game changer when you're dealing with students that have spring fever or senioritis is that some have a lot of more energy and some have a lot of less energy. But giving them something that they can work on independently allows them to kind of work at the pace that best suits them and their mood. I will link in the show notes where you can check out the discovery stations I've made already, but you can also just make your own. And so here's how I would recommend getting started. Start with lecture slides you already would be using and pull them out of your lecture and you can use them as like PDFs and print a slide per page large, but you can kind of flesh those out a little bit more because most likely your lecture slides are just bullets and really short points that you embellish when you're speaking on them, but flesh them out so they become readable for your students and then throw in more pictures and more fun facts. And then really all you have to do from there is make some sort of handout with questions that you would want them to be able to answer from reading the discovery station. I like to avoid just doing like fill in the blank or things like that, even though that's not the end of the world. I really try to make them more application questions or skills-based, like label this diagram. I really want them engaging with the content and not just skimming it to fill in a fill in the blank answer. But again, this doesn't need to be fancy. Try to keep it simple just so you can get started with it. And because this is how I got started using stations in my class, I would find a lecture was getting way too long as I was making it. And so instead I would print out a chunk of the slides and I would turn them into my first edition of those station cards. And then over time, year after year, I've evolved those and adapted them since then into what they are now. But it can really be that simple. I just love stations in general because they decrease lecture time and get students out of their seats. I really feel like getting their blood flowing helps so much with senioritis. Don't feel like you totally have to eliminate lectures though. Just try switching up how you're doing it a little bit. And if you need other ideas, head back and give episode number six a listen. If you already feel the mood shifting in your classroom, both in you and your students, try one or both of these tips this week for combating senioritis. Get your students outside and change up how you're doing lecture. Even the smallest change can make all the difference in the mood. I really believe that both will give you an instant boost in energy and morale. Stay tuned for next week's episode where I'm going to share even more tips for combating senioritis and ending the year positively with your students. Thanks for tuning in today. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to follow so you never miss an episode. Leave a review and tell all of your science teacher friends so they can listen along too. And just a reminder, you can find all the links mentioned in today's episode in the show notes or by heading to itsnotrocketscienceclassroom.com slash episode 12. All right, teacher friends, that wraps up today's episode. If you're looking for an easy way to start simplifying your life as a secondary science teacher, head to itsnotrocketscienceclassroom.com slash challenge to grab your classroom reset challenge. And guess what? It's totally free. Thanks so much for tuning in and I'll see you here next week. Until then, I'll be rooting for you, teacher friend.